Welcome, everyone. I'm Kim Christensen, and this is the Peaceful Productivity Podcast, where I share strategies to help you get the most out of your time and feel better in the process. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we are talking about agility. Agility is really the key to peaceful productivity. In fact, I would almost define peaceful productivity as agility. I see it as the happy balance between rigidity and reactivity. That agility spectrum with rigidity at one end and reactivity at the other end, responsiveness or agility, I think is in the middle there, the balancing point, the harmony, if you'll call it. I think when we go too far to the side of rigidity, what can happen, at least this is what happened for me, is I became very overscheduled. And the reason why I scheduled so much for myself was I was trying to get back control over all of the things that were going on. And as a result, I had packed my schedule with different activities. I had really, really high expectations for what I could accomplish. I think this is a human tendency. We tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a given amount of time, and we underestimate the amount of time it takes us to do something. So factor all of those things together, and I became very overscheduled. There was also a a lot of thinking around the lines of, I should do this, I'm supposed to do this. That type of thinking led to a lot of what I'll call resistance, forcing myself to do things, follow my schedule through the use of willpower. And what I found is that creates a lot of unnecessary resistance. So much so it becomes a habit. We approach, at least I did, approach my life with a lot of resistance, a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety. I started to feel like everything was really important and really, really urgent. And I was always running behind. And I always felt like I was forgetting something too. And I think a big part of that was that rigid mindset that I was approaching my scheduling with. I think that rigidity can come from a denial of emotions and relying solely on logic to make decisions. It comes from a place of fear, fear that we won't get enough done, that there's not enough time. And so we're pushing our way through the fear, denying all the emotions, whatever's coming up and putting logic and rational thinking into the driver's seat. The interesting thing about that is I'm not saying that we shouldn't be using rational thinking or logic. I just don't think it should be in the driver's seat at the cost of the rest of our guidance system, which is emotions and sensations. I think it has a place in terms of decision making, but I think it's in the passenger seat with the rest of our navigation system. So that navigation system is comprised of logic, emotions, and sensations. I think rigidity is what happens when we let logic 
drive the bus, so to speak. When we allow logic to drive and we ignore emotions, what happens is that we know that emotions are still there under the surface and they can be driving a lot of our behavior without even our conscious awareness because we've been pushing them down so much. And that's when we start to feel really out of control because we're doing things without even employing logic. It's almost like ending up at the fridge with a mouthful of cake without even really understanding or remembering how it is we got there. So we feel really out of control of our behaviors. And then what happens is we judge ourselves and beat up on ourselves for not acting in a rational manner. I talked about this in an earlier podcast about how I used to really beat up on myself for being afraid of flying. I judged that as being irrational, an irrational fear. I would feel self-conscious and embarrassed about it. And then I would beat up on myself. And it really became a vicious cycle, one that Brene Brown calls the shame spiral, where we shame ourselves, which creates more shame, which then creates this further suppression of emotion. It's interesting because we can be productive in this rigidity state. And we can even be successful for a period of time in terms of accomplishment. In my experience, we definitely don't feel peaceful. We're pushing against the emotions, we're creating a lot of resistance, and then what that leads to is unresolved stress, further disconnection from ourselves, feelings of stuck and empty and unfulfilled, and even burnout. The other end of the spectrum is reactivity. And this is the opposite end because where rigidity is overscheduled, reactivity is no schedule whatsoever. And when there's no schedule whatsoever, there's definitely a feeling of being out of control because then I feel like I'm completely at the effect of my environment, what's happening around me, or my mood or emotional state at a moment in time. And it's characterized by feelings of resistance, again, stemming from thoughts of, I don't want to do this. And in that situation, what's happening is that we're putting emotions in the driver's seat. So in the rigidity state, we are putting logic in the driver's seat. In the reactivity situation, we're putting emotions in the driver's seat. The problem with putting emotions in the driver's seat is in the moment, our emotional brain is always going to seek safety and comfort above and beyond everything else, goals, long-term objectives, anything else. So we're reacting in that moment to these survival mechanisms, these biases in order to avoid threats or to seek pleasure, and that will guide all of our decisions. It's important that emotions be taken into account. I'm not suggesting we suppress them because we know that, as I mentioned earlier, in the rigidity state, when we suppress emotions, then they start to drive our behavior unconsciously. So we don't suppress them. They need to be taken into account, but they can't be in the driver's seat. The way I like to look at this is that I am making decisions and I'm using things like emotions, thoughts, 
and sensations as information, as data to make these decisions. They're not in the driver's seat. They're not the one making the decision, but they're information that I use when making the decisions. When we're in a place of reactivity, we're not usually productive in this state at all because there's a lot of procrastination and relying on the pressure and the threat of incompletion to motivate us into action. And this then causes incompletion and or poor quality product. Or there may even be some starting and some doing, but there's not a lot of completing in this reactive state because there's always something new, urgent, and important that is drawing at our attention. So I've described the rigidity state and I've described the reactivity state. I think the balance of those two is a place of responsiveness. And I term this agility. Agility is the happy balance between rigidity and reactivity. And I called it earlier, I called agility responsiveness. So it's the ability to create a plan definitely have a plan along with the confidence that you can pivot and adapt the plan in the moment using things like logic and emotions as a guidance system rather than driving those decisions. I think being in an agility state leads to feeling in control because you have a really good sense of what's coming up and what's coming at you and how you want to show up But you also have the confidence that when the unanticipated comes up, that you can pivot with confidence, with a view of your long-term goals and what's best for you in the long term, rather than using your biases and your survival brain and using that emotional sense as a guide. So agility is all about creating flow flow in our workflow, flow in our lives, and flow in our emotional state. I like to say go with the flow, but create some guideposts along the way to orient you so that you know when you're making progress and you can celebrate that. So you're not completely adrift without any landmarks, but you're also not stuck in this rigid place or even trying to paddle upstream. So the question becomes, how do we create agility? How do we create that agile state where we've created a plan, but we're also able to pivot and adapt as necessary? I think the first step to creating agility is self-awareness. Awareness of what our strengths are and what our limitations are, and using that knowledge about ourselves and our strengths and our limitations to actually set us up for success rather than to penalize us or to remain oblivious and not necessarily use that information to serve us at all. The second step is mindfulness. I like to think about mindfulness as a way of connecting with our guidance system, the guidance system being the thoughts, emotions, and sensations in the moment and treating them like a navigation system. I have this visual of a a vehicle dashboard when I think about this guidance system. And that helps me to shift from acceptance, acceptance of the thoughts and the emotions, rather than acting from a place of resistance. 
One of the ways that I accomplish this, that I separate myself out from my thoughts and emotions is I will tell myself something like, I am thinking that X, Y, and Z, or I am feeling X, Y, and Z. When I say things like, I am sad, then I over-identify with the emotion. There's no distance there between me and the, emo- the emotion. So rather than saying, I am sad, I will say something like, I am feeling sad to create some of that distance and that neutrality around it. Susan David talks about this in her book titled Emotional Agility and how we can get really hooked into our thoughts and emotions and let them drive our decisions. She also says that the most agile individuals, teams, and organizations in the world are permitted to own their emotional truth. I was so fortunate to have two bosses in very recent years who were comfortable expressing their emotions and encouraged me to do the same. I think these people intuitively understood that leadership was more about listening than it was about telling. And I found that when I was able to give voice to my concerns and my appreciation, it ceased to hook me in, as Susan David would say. It ceased to have a hold on me or a power. So in many cases, I was able to realize that those unarticulated emotions were actually blocking my progress. These two bosses encouraged me to voice them and they also modeled that for me. So they made it normal. They normalized it and made it acceptable and encouraged in a culture that had been traditionally resistant to that type of an approach. The other technique that's helpful in terms of creating mindfulness is looking at the emotion or the thought neutrally and then asking myself, what is the message that it carries? Rather than beating up on myself for feeling or thinking a certain way, looking at it with curiosity and compassion can be very helpful. The moment I start to slip into judgment around how I'm thinking or feeling is the moment that I start to get blocked and I start to give the thought and the feeling more power over my decisions and actions than warranted. Once you've created some self-awareness and mindfulness around your navigation system, I like to think about the third stage as emotional processing. And what I mean by emotional processing is I mean sitting with uncomfortable emotions, sitting with all emotions, but particularly with uncomfortable emotion. I find that I haven't always been accepting of uncomfortable emotions, and I would often try to force a positive frame of mind on top of the uncomfortable emotion or distract myself from it or just push through it. And that's what really created that suppression of emotion and eventually blocked my progress in a lot of ways. When I recognize something like fear or pain, I turn towards those uncomfortable emotions rather than turning away from them. Specific to fear and anxiety, it can be really important to not only turn towards it and embrace it, but also to create a felt sense of safety around that in order to close that stress cycle. So the nervous system, when it's triggered and it moves into the fight or flight and feels fear and anxiety, what often happens is unless we can close that loop, 
it can get stuck in that chronic fight or flight. So it's really important to not just recognize when you're feeling fearful or anxious, but also to move towards that and create a sense of safety around that in order to close that fear loop. The same goes for pain as well. I think that in our culture, we often minimize pain or don't articulate it because we don't want to make other people uncomfortable or responsible for our pain. So I think that we can get into a habit of minimizing our pain and just telling ourselves that we're fine when we're really not. I think one of the keys to sitting with pain and becoming more comfortable with it is not to judge it. I think there's sometimes where we'll feel like we're not entitled to a certain feeling. There's no reason why I'm sad right now or I have an amazing life, so I'm not entitled to feel grief or sorrow or sadness or lack. And when we minimize our pain like that and judge it, then we compound it by creating shame and guilt on top of that pain, which then just leads to that shame spiral that I was talking about earlier. One of the things that really helps me in this regard is understanding that all emotions, uncomfortable or not, are all part of the ebb and flow of the human emotional experience and that it's all very fluid and temporary. I like to give myself validation for the emotion, self-comfort, and compassion. So if you're feeling, on the one hand, resistance, opposition, restricted, confined resentment or frustration, it may be that there's too much rigidity in your schedule. One of the ways that I alleviate that is I look for ways to give myself some grace and some appreciation. If you're feeling, on the other hand, disorganized, out of control, reactive, like you're constantly putting out fires, stressed and overwhelmed, then you might be in that reactivity trap that I've talked about in other episodes. And if you are in that place, you could experiment with some structure. We don't want to necessarily swing all the way over to rigidity, but just creating an intention for the day can be really helpful. Just to unlock us from that current state tunnel vision that we can get ourselves into when we're feeling really reactive and casting our vision out even as far as a couple hours or a day. You could also try experimenting with some grounding techniques to create feelings of safety and security. That way you can close the stress cycle and start to cultivate more of that proactivity. The last tool I'll offer in this regard, if you're feeling a lot of resistance, is the 10-minute rule. And the 10-minute rule is a really helpful tool that I use to build tolerance for discomfort. And I use it in two specific situations. One is when I've planned something for myself and I'm feeling resistance around doing it. So for example, I have planned to go for a run and I'm feeling a lot of resistance and rationalization in my brain about not going for a run. What I'll tell myself in that situation with the 10-minute rule is I'll tell myself that I'll just run for 10 minutes. And then if I choose to stop after that, I am more than welcome. This helps me to curb that 
habit of talking myself out of things, but it also leaves me with some agency, some choice. So I'm not forcing myself to do it with willpower. I'm merely strengthening the muscle in terms of tolerance for discomfort. And I'm also leaving myself with optionality. The other way that I use the 10 minute rule is when I have an urge, when my emotional brain is telling me that it would be great to do something in the moment, like eat a chocolate cake for dinner, (laughs) then I will use the 10 minute rule in reverse. I will wait 10 minutes, still giving myself the option, the choice to have the chocolate cake if I want to after 10 minutes have elapsed. The thing that I really like about the 10 minute rule is that it decreases the emotional charge from my navigation system. In the moment with our emotional brains, we can become really emotionally connected to uh, desire or to resistance, especially if we've reinforced that habit over time. And so the 10 minute rule just helps us to become more aware that this is a habit to curb the habitual thinking, desire, and resistance, and also leave ourselves with some agency around all of it so that we're not relying on willpower to force ourselves to complete an action. If this podcast speaks to you, I'll invite you to check out my 12-week emotional agility coaching program. I think this program is very powerful. First of all, for articulating that navigation system, articulating our thoughts and feelings in a really neutral, objective, safe space, and also creating some distance from it so that we can become more aware of how our emotions and our logic are driving our decisions and create some distance between that and our navigation system. If you're interested in that program, you can find all of the details on my website, financialwellnesscoach.ca, under the coaching tab. Take care, everyone.